So we're starting a brand new series this week, three weeks. We're going to be talking about the theme of prayer, and I'm going to break prayer down into three parts, Um, and we're going to be looking at praying to the Father, praying through the Son, and praying by the Spirit. And so that's what we're going to be looking at over the next three weeks. And I think for most of us, if not all of us, we pray uh, or we structure our prayers in quite a similar fashion. And, you know, we begin our prayers with our Father or dear God or some kind of acknowledgement to the Father. And then we close our prayers in Jesus' name, Amen. That's kind of the, the standard formulaic prayer. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that whatsoever. You know, we pray to God the Father. We pray through the name, through the work, through the authority of the Son, Jesus. And then we pray by the power of the Spirit. And it's this Trinitarian structure of prayer, which I believe is actually really important. And there's a reason and a purpose for this. Paul writes in Ephesians 5, he says, Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So right there, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus and he is explaining that all three persons of the Trinity play an active role in prayer. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at each one individually and just kind of breaking that down a little bit and unpacking uh, the purpose of each one. And so this morning, we're going to focus on the first one, praying to the Father. And there are a number of different purposes for for prayer. I don't know about you, but I think far too often, the purpose of our prayer is, I need something from God. And so we go to God with our list of requests and requirements, and sometimes they're quite specific, and other times they're a bit broad. But we go to God more often than not when we need something, and and that's fine, and we're going to come to that a little bit later on this morning, but that should not be our primary focus. That should not be the main reason why we are praying. And one of the main reasons I believe for prayer is worship. Worship is one of the primary reasons for prayer. And when we praise God, we're worshipping him for his character. We're worshipping him for the work that he has done in our lives. And when we pray to God with an attitude of thanksgiving, we're worshipping his goodness. We're worshipping his kindness. We're worshipping his loving kindness to us. And when we do that, When we pray with that kind of heart, with that kind of attitude, with that kind of posture, we are giving glory to God. The only one, the only one who deserves all honour and all glory. And we've already spent time this morning, which is just so incredible, just singing those words, I exalt thee, giving him praise, giving him glory, giving him honour. And, you know, if we acknowledge that he is God, creator of all things, that he is the first and the last, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present, he is all of these things, surely he deserves the glory. Surely he deserves all our honour and all our praise. Paul writes in Romans chapter 11, he says, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. 
All glory to him forever. Amen. And in Ephesians 3, he writes, Glory belongs to God, whose power is at work in us. By this power, he can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. And Timothy writes, All honour and all glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. And the psalmist reminds us, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name goes all the glory for your unfailing love and faithfulness. And what does he mean by that? That, that word glory, it takes on a, a variety of, of meanings such as honour and praise and admiration and credit. So to give, give God the glory, which is what he deserves, is to praise him. It's to honour him. It's to admire him and it's to give him the credit because he is the one who deserves all the credit because he is God. And, you know, we give glory to, to God not only for what he's done. I think sometimes we can, we can just focus on that as well, that we give glory to everything that God has done for us. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for my family and for my house. And, and again, all of that stuff is great. But I think above praising God for what he's done for us, we should just be praising God for who he is, for who he is, the King of kings and the Lord of lords and creator God. You know, I hope we never get tired of experiencing his glory as we look around us in our world, not at the mess that we've made of it, but at the, the beauty of his creation, that we would never grow tired of seeing God's glory in creation. You know, there is nothing that I love more than being out in nature, particularly around water. I'm just drawn to, to water, seeing the, the power of a waterfall. It's incredible, isn't it? And that is not something that man has made. That is not something that man was involved in. God created that. That was his idea. That was his creativity. And so when we see things like that, it should fill us with just awe and wonder of our God. And we should give him the glory. And we should give him the praise because he deserves it all. He deserves it all. Does anyone have a bucket list or any things that they would like to see or do before they die? Anyone? Yeah? What do you want to do, Victoria? All sorts. All sorts. Go on. You want to see the Northern Lights? Say it, sorry. We want to hold a koala. That sounds pretty cool. David? You want to go to Niagara Falls? There's so many things, isn't there? So many things that we want to see and we want to do. And I'm surprised that Ruth didn't say Bora Bora as top of her list because, you know, that those floating islands in the middle of the crystal blue turquoisey water in the South Pacific, very far away, very expensive. But if she gets to go to, to Bora Bora and will have me, I will gladly come along, along with you. My, the top of my bucket list, hands down, is to see the Northern Lights. I would just love to see the Northern Lights, this incredible thing. And you know, science can explain what is going on there. Science will tell us why the Northern Lights appear. And I believe from doing some research that it is gaseous particles from the Earth's atmosphere colliding with released particles from the sun's atmosphere. And that is, so, that is what creates this, this incredible picture of beauty. 
But although science can explain what is happening, science does not get the glory. That is God who gets the glory because it is his creation. It is his creativity that makes this thing happen. And honestly, that I mean, I've never seen it, but I've seen pictures of it and I've seen video clips of it. And, and we kind of get a little bit of a grasp of just the, the incredible beauty of something like that. But that is just a drop in the ocean when it comes to the creativity of our God. And if he can do that, and if he can do far more than that, then surely he deserves all the honor and all the glory. And we should just be continuously praising him and thanking him, not just for what he's done, but for who he is. All the glory belongs to our Father. But there are other purposes for for praying to our Father. And the second one that I just want to highlight this morning is around uh, confession and repentance. For all have fallen short of the glory of God. But thanks to the sacrifice of the Father, thanks for, for his choice, sending his Son, we're able to come to him with a heart of repentance. From a place of, of confession for the things that we have done wrong. But there's maybe a question, isn't there, that if we are justified, that is to be made right by faith, if we are justified by faith and we've been forgiven for all of our sins, past, present and future, then why is it necessary for us to continue to seek forgiveness? I've already been forgiven. So why should I come to the Father in prayer asking his forgiveness? It says in 1 John chapter 1, If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. And so I think there's a tension here that we need to wrestle with a little bit, that when we think of our forgiveness, past, present, and future, but God is outside of time. We, we have this very kind of finite view of the world, but God is outside of time. And so for him, he sees all of our life and he sees all of our mistakes, everything that we have done, everything that we are doing, everything that we're about to do and will do many, he sees it all. But we don't. We may remember what we've done and we may know what we're doing, but we don't know what we're going to do. And so I think that when it comes to our justification, we need to come to that place of confession and of repentance for the things that we have done. But then we need to come to him again from a place of the knowledge that He will forgive us for what we're going to do. So it's not just a one-time thing. God, I'm sorry for everything that I've done in the past. I'm sorry for everything that I'm going to do in the future. And that's it. Just a blanket coverall prayer and I'm sorted. It's all good. Every time, every time we mess up, every time we make a mistake, we need to come to our Heavenly Father from a place of, repentance 
True repentance that acknowledges that I've messed up again. I've made a mistake again. I've sinned again. I've fallen short of your glory again. And I am sorry. I'm sorry. Truly sorry. We need to return to God in repentance and faith to seek his forgiveness. And it's not a, it's not a new justification, but it's a renewed application of our justification. I have been forgiven. And would you forgive me again and again and again and again? We don't seek forgiveness for future sin out of a, a place of despair that thinks that we are lost. But again, we do it out of the confidence that our identity as sons and daughters of our heavenly father who has already declared us righteous. He has already declared that over us, but we still need to come to him to get on our knees and say that we are sorry. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, it says, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. There's a promise here that he will forgive our sins when we come to him in repentance. He will forgive us if we come to him and confess what we've done wrong. But what I also like about this verse is that he says that he will restore our land. He'll restore our land. You know, when we're living in sin, whether it's a fleeting moment or whether it's a, a pattern of habitual sin, when we're in that place, we're missing out on something. Because when we're walking in the plans and purposes of God, when we have our eyes fixed on him, we are walking in everything that he has got for us. But when our eyes move off him and onto the world and we begin to sin in whatever form that looks like for us, we are missing out on Something incredible. But what this verse says is that he'll not only forgive our sins, but he'll restore the land. And I believe that what that's saying is that when we come to him in repentance and confession, he will forgive us, but he'll also restore what we've missed out on, what we've lost, what has been taken away from us whilst we've been sinning. You know, in the story of the prodigal son, and many of us will, will know this story really well, that this young man, he decides to basically declare his father dead, take his inheritance and, and run off to, to do his own thing. And he, he squanders all of his inheritance on this incredibly sinful lifestyle. But when he finally gets to a place of humility and of repentance, he decides to return to the father. And he comes back to his, his dad and he, and he has this, this confession in mind and he begins to say, I'm sorry for everything that I've done. I'm sorry that I've disrespected you and dishonored you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And what we see is a picture of the forgiveness of our Heavenly Father because not only does he forgive him and he does it even whilst he's making this confession, he's, he shuts him down almost and says, I forgive you, it's, it's forgotten. But then he also restores what was lost. He puts a robe on his back. He puts shoes on his feet. He puts a ring on his finger and he calls uh, for a feast. What this young man missed out on while he was away living this wild lifestyle 
was the comfort of, of, of living in his father's house, was the security of living in his father's house, was all of the blessings and the, the feasting and the joy that comes from living in his father's house. But when he humbled himself and came with a heart of repentance and confession, he was not only forgiven, but everything that was lost is now restored to him. I think it's just a beautiful picture of our Heavenly Father and what He has got for us when we come to Him with that heart. And so when we come in worship to Him, we offer Him all the glory and all the honour that He deserves. He deserves it all because He is just... He's just incredible. There is nothing that He cannot do. When we, just, when we look around at our world and the beauty that we see, he deserves all glory. He deserves all honor. He deserves all praise. And then we come to him with just a heart of confession and of repentance where we acknowledge that once again we have fallen short of the glory of God. And we say we're sorry. And we say we're sorry. And he forgives us and he restores to us what was lost. And then there's supplication, or essentially our requests, the things that we want of God. Like I said at the beginning, this should not be our primary focus. That should not be why we go to God in prayer. But it's important. It's an important part of prayer. Because God cares. Because he's interested in you. Because he wants to know what's on your heart. And he wants to give you the desires of your heart. It says in John chapter 9, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he's ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. And so now we begin to see this whole thing as a bigger picture. That actually, when we first go to him and give him the glory and the, and the praise that he deserves, when we glorify our king, and then we humble ourselves and ask for forgiveness. When we once again make ourselves right before God, it's then, it's then that we can take our requests to God because he opens himself up to hear from us, to, to hear what is on our heart, to hear what it is that we're asking of him. He hears us, he cares about us, and he wants to bless us. It says in 1 John chapter 5, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know that he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. You know, when Jesus prayed to his father in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he was arrested and, and taken to be crucified, he prayed these words. He said, Abba, Father. That's how he begun his prayer. Abba, Father. And there's a real beauty in this phrase, Abba, Father. Because the, the words carry both the reverence of the Father, the acknowledgement that he deserves all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. But there's also a real familiarity in these words. It's almost like saying dad or daddy. That's the, the beauty of this single phrase. It's the reverence and the, the familiarity. 
And what I love about this language, Abba Father, that by Jesus praying in this way, in that moment, what he's doing is inviting us into the same intimate relationship that he has with his Father. That prayer is not just for Jesus. Because for those of us who who have invited God into our lives, who have acknowledged him as Lord and Saviour of our lives, we are now sons and daughters of God. And so we can have the same intimate relationship that Jesus had with his Father. And he prayed, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. You know, some of us can be way too serious with our prayers, can't we? We can get way too serious. And not that it's not important to show respect and honour and reverence to God, because it, it absolutely is. But you know how some people have a phone voice? I think some of us have a prayer voice. Some of us have a prayer. And some people love to just throw in a whole bunch of words that no one really understands. And, we, you know, we call that Christianese. And this stuff that we just kind of string together because it, it makes us sound good. And I'm guilty of it too. Don't, don't say that I'm judging anyone because I'm as bad as anyone else. Ruth tells me that I pray way too long. So I'm sorry for that. <laughs> but Jesus actually speaks against this. In Matthew 6 verse 7, he says, When you pray, don't heap up empty praises as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard with their many words. One translation says, don't use vain repetitions. And another says, don't babble on. I love that. Stop waffling in your prayers. <laughs> Jesus is telling us here, it's all right to just be real, to just have a conversation with God. We don't need to do all of this stuff. And don't get me wrong, because I know that many of us are guilty of it, including me, but it, it comes from a heart of wanting to give God the glory and giving the honor that he deserves. And he sees that. So he, he gets it. He understands it. But I think maybe some of us can just check our prayer lives a little bit and, and just tone down some of those weird phrases that we don't totally understand and just be real. Just have a conversation like you and I might have over coffee after the service. You know, I've sat down with multiple people, uh, you know, on a kind of discipleship basis. And they're like, I don't really know how to pray. I'm like, well, we've been having a conversation for the past half an hour. That's essentially what prayer is. We can just talk to God, however we would talk to our friends. He doesn't need the fluff and the long-winded stuff. He doesn't need any of that. He just wants to hear what's on our heart. And the message that I think Jesus is saying through this verse, and also in using the words Abba Father, is that yes, God is our heavenly Father, that he is almighty God, that he is creator God, that he is the Alpha and the Omega. But he's also dad. He's also our dad. He wants to hear from us. He wants to answer us. He wants to help us. But he doesn't need any specific formula or set of words in the same way that our earthly fathers don't need that. You know, I'm not sure how I would feel if my boys came to me and they, they wanted to go swimming one day and they, they kind of looked at me and said, Dearest Daddy, I beseech thee, wouldst thou come and swimmeth with us because I know that you gaze upon us with your loving kind... Gosh. Dad, can we go swimming? Simple as that. 
God, will you help me? God, I'm struggling. God, would you heal me? We don't need all the fluff. We don't need all the the fancy words. Why? Because he loves us. Just like I love my boys and so they know that they've got the freedom to come and ask me for whatever it is that they want. I might not give it to them. We'll get to that in a minute. But they can come to me and they can ask me for stuff because I love them. And your heavenly father, he loves you. He loves you right now, even if you're in a mess. Even if this last week you have lived out the worst week you have ever lived. Even if this morning on the way to church you were cursing out that person who pulled in front of you. No matter what you have done, he still loves you. And he wants to hear from you. And he wants to bless you. And so we come to God and give him the glory and the honor that he deserves. And we come from a place of repentance, asking for his forgiveness. But then we can go to him and we can ask him for stuff. We can ask him what is on our hearts. We can ask him whatever it is that that we want. And again, there's this tension here that, that we need to wrestle with. Because on the one hand, just because we ask God for something in prayer does not mean prayer. What was that? <laughs> in prayer. It doesn't mean that we'll get it. Just because we ask him for something does not mean that we'll get it. But also, if we don't ask, we might not get. If you don't ask him, you might not get it. It says in James uh, chapter 4, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even if you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. And I think this again is where the theme for this morning comes full circle because it's down to our motives. It's down to our heart. It's down to the attitude and the posture that we are approaching God with our prayer. Because if we're taking our request to God from a a posture and an attitude of selfishness, then he's not going to hear our prayers. Our motives are all wrong. But if we come to him from a place of giving him all of the glory and all of the honor, and from a a place of humility where we've asked him for forgiveness, where we've acknowledged our mistakes, then what I believe is that when we've gone through that process, that our eyes are once again fixed on God. And so we're walking in his plans and we're walking in his purposes. And that means that our thinking is in line with him. And so when we then take our requests to God, more than likely they're in line with his heart. And so he'll give us what we ask for. He'll give us what we ask for. And you know, in the same way that that my boys can come to me and they can ask me for stuff, they've got the freedom to ask me for whatever they want. But I don't always give it to them. I don't always give them what they want. And sometimes it's because I see that their motives are wrong, that they're maybe asking out of a place of entitlement and selfishness and greed. And so I'll shut it down. No, you can't have that right now. But that's not necessarily a no either. It might be just a not yet. Let's wait until your attitude changes. Let's wait until you get to a place where I recognize that you deserve this. 
Or maybe it's because I can see that what they're asking for is not in their best interests. And so I say no. And then what happens? Anyone ever said no to a child before? (laughs) Well, they get a little bit sulky and they get a bit grumpy and they maybe get a bit angry because they don't see the big picture. They don't see what it is. But we see. And God sees. And so when we go to God in prayer and, we, and we've gone through that process, not that it's a formula that if you do A, B, you'll get C, but if we've aligned ourselves once again with him and we've fixed our eyes on our Heavenly Father and we take something to him in prayer and it doesn't happen, then what? Then what? Well, I believe the Bible says that we should keep on praying. We should keep on asking, but also we should trust in him because we only see a tiny bit of what's going on, but he sees the whole picture. And so it might be that he's saying no because it's not right for us. It might be that he's saying not yet because we're not ready for it. We don't know, but what we can do is we can trust in him. We can trust in him because he is Lord of all things because he sees it all. And so when we come to him in prayer and we don't see that prayer answered, we need to trust that he knows why and trust that that reason, whatever it may be, whether we ever find it out or not, is the right reason. But we can still go to him in prayer again. We can still petition him again and again. And there, Jesus tells multiple stories about why we should do that. He talks about the, the neighbor who's, uh, who knocks on his neighbor's door and asks him to give him some bread and the, the guy's asleep in bed and he's like, go away, I just want to get some kip. And yet he keeps on knocking on the door. No, I've got visitors, I need to feed them. I've got, will you come and help me? And he keeps on knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking and he's like, fine, I'll give you what it is you want because you've been persistent in your prayers. And we should be persistent in our prayers. When we're praying for something, When we're praying for that healing that hasn't yet come, don't stop praying for it. Keep praying, keep believing, keep trusting because God is a loving God. He cares for us. He wants what's best for us. And so we keep on praying and we keep on asking. But when we sense that God is saying no, well, then we just need to trust him. We need to have faith that he sees the big picture, that he knows the reason why he's saying no. And just accept that. And that can be really challenging for us, can't it? That that actually we, when we desperately want something and he's saying no, we've got to just give it up. We've got to give up once again. We talk about laying down our lives because they're not our own. They're his. When we invite him to be our Lord and Savior, our lives become a vessel for him to do what he wants. And so if he's saying no, that's because that's not what he wants for us. And so we've got to trust that he knows what's best. That he's not doing it, to, doing it to punish us. That he's not doing it to spite us. He's not doing it out of some, some wicked, twisted punishment 
He's doing it because he knows what's best. Because he sees it all. Because he knows it all. And you know, if we know that our Heavenly Father loves us, that he's for us, that he is a good father, that he, is a, that he gives good gifts far above what we could ask or imagine, then we can go to him in prayer and we can ask him for what it is that we want. And we should do that. We should do that. In the same way that I want to bless my children, God wants to bless you. He wants to bless me because he loves us. Because he loves us. And so we need to come to him in, in, from a position of giving him the glory and giving him the honour. Recognising that he is above all things. Recognising that he has created all of the beauty in this world. That he loves each and every one of us. That he created us for relationship with him. That that is his heart. That is his passion. That is his desire. And so we worship him and we glorify him and we praise him and we honour him. And what we need to do and what we must do is acknowledge when we make mistakes. To come to that place of humility and say, do you know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry for messing up again. And the danger here when it comes to this, this area is that the enemy uses that against us. And so when we mess up and when we stumble, the enemy will then creep in and he'll begin to whisper in our ears, you don't deserve God's glory. You don't deserve God's blessing. You can no longer speak to him the way that you used to speak to him. And so when we fall and when we make mistakes and when we mess up and when we sin, the danger is that we'll stay in that place, that we'll wallow in that place. You know, I was saying to my brother this uh, just yesterday, last weekend we had the coronation celebration. That was last weekend, wasn't it? And so there was an abundance of cake in the place. And I took some cake home with me. It was delicious. I ate it on Monday. Thank you, Katya. <laughs> Well, that one was. And so what I did was, I let that bad day become a bad week. Because I had this cake on Monday, and I thought to myself, oh, I could be really good this week. But then I thought, it's Toby's birthday on Friday, so there's going to be more cake on Friday, and it'll carry over to Saturday and Sunday, so why should I bother? And so I just had a really bad week. And that's what it can be like with us when it comes to sin. That we fall and we mess up one day. And that we think, oh, well, I've messed up. So while I'm here, I might as well do this and this and, and this. And we just allow ourselves, because of that whisper that comes from the enemy, to get carried up and caught up in this life of sin. And when we're living down that path, we are not living in the promises of God. And so what we need to do, what we must do, is immediately pick ourselves up. Immediately get up, dust it off, and fix your eyes back on your loving Heavenly Father. Because He's not condemning you. He's already forgiven you. But we just need to come to Him and say, I'm sorry. 
And just like the father with the prodigal son, he, he interrupts us almost while we're offering up our confession. And he wraps his arms around us and says, don't worry, I love you, I love you. And then we fix our eyes back on him. And we begin to walk again in his plans and in his purposes. And he begins to redeem what was lost from us during that time away from him. Because he loves us and he wants to bless us. And when we're walking with him, and when our eyes are fixed on him, we can begin to seek him for the desires of our hearts. And he longs to bless us. He longs to bless us. He wants to give you good gifts. You know, the Bible talks about a whole load of, of blessings that God's got for us. And we, we even talked about that a few, uh, last week even, when we talked about the crowns that, that God's got for us. He's got blessings for us. He's got gifts for us. He's got things that he wants to empower and equip us with. He's got plans for our lives that are far greater than anything we could ever dream of. We just need to fix our eyes on God. We need to pray to the Father. Amen. Amen. Why don't we pray? I'm going to be brief with my prayer today. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be long-winded. Father God, I thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness. I thank you for the beauty that we see around us in creation. I thank you for the beauty that we see in, in moments of joy and moments of happiness. God, I pray that you would once again open up our eyes to, to really grasp and see uh, your goodness in, in everything. And we give you the honour and we give you the praise and we give you the glory because you deserve it all. You deserve it all. And God, once again, maybe even in this moment, let's just take 30 seconds to just come before our Heavenly Father and maybe just bring to mind whatever it is that we've messed up this week and just say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm not going to wallow in this sin. I'm not going to stay in this place of darkness, but I'm going to pick myself up and dust myself off and fix my eyes back on you once again.